All right, today we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Ethereum. Ethereum's uh, switched to stake and what that means for mining. It's Friday, August 19th, and this is the Brew House. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the prices of coins. None of what we say is investment advice, and for the purposes of this episode, it's just a discussion between us about what we think from our experience. We're probably wrong. I'm a little excited today to have my very first guest on the Brew House with me. His name is also John, so you know it's going to be good. So, John, tell me a little bit about your uh, experience with mining Ethereum with as much detail as you're comfortable with. Thanks for having me on. My name is John. I am a GPU and ASIC miner. I started my crypto journey in 2017. Uh, the first coin that I bought was Litecoin because I wanted to have one whole coin and I didn't want to have <laughs> a percentage of a Bitcoin. <laughs> Looking back, I think that's pretty silly. But uh, after that, I made the decision that I wanted to be a miner and I wanted to earn my crypto. I thought that made more better financial sense at the i'm very risk adverse when it comes to uh my mining decisions and so the first rig i bought was two gtx 1080s and one gtx uh, 1063 gig and i didn't even buy them all myself i went halvesies with a good buddy of mine <laughs> uh fast forward through 2018 2019 I never stopped. It was just kind of a slow progression. I paid off my first rig and ran in my basement, didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Burnt a couple wires, that was exciting. Um, and then 2020 is, a, is the year that I really uh, expanded quite a bit. Um, I was running right around 100 cards in my garage, all, ba all mining Ethereum. That was, that was my main focus. Uh, at the time, I had the utility company come out to my house twice, and they told me I was the number one residential user <laughs> in my town of 10,000, so that's a nice little feather in my head. Uh, 2021, I ended up buying a commercial space, and now I currently have about 600 cards uh, in my, in my operation. Some of them are hosted, some of them are mine. Uh, that, that equates to around 30 giga hash on, e on Ethereum and roughly one giga hash on Raven, or excuse me, one giga hash on ETC because I have older cards. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at and how I got started and yeah. Well, Excited to be here. It's funny. Uh, I think if I remember right, we actually met um, when I gave a presentation on Bitcoin mining. Mm -hmm. You came out to one of the groups, one of the nonprofit groups that's in town here. I remember you asked me a million and one questions, and I didn't know the answer to a lot of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I vividly remember, and this is one of my. If you ask me about regrets when it comes to the crypto sphere, is I remember going and looking in your server room. And seeing the various ASICs server rigs that you have. And I thought to myself, and I probably even told you to your face, there's no way you can make money doing yeah, this. Yeah, you did. I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> and if I would have at least taken the 
the half a step further to look <laughs> into it, I would have been in a much better spot. Sure. Well, you know, it's one of those things. We started doing it on CPUs and FPGAs and all this stuff when it was like a lot less. Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew we were already making money before we dropped the coin on ASICs miners. Right. So I could see from the outside looking in, spending two grand on an ASICs would seem crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and I just, I just looked at it from just sheerly the electrical expenditure. Mm -hmm. But uh, now... Instead of looking at, well, I'm spending, you know, $10,000 a month on electricity. It doesn't matter. I right. could spend a million dollars a month on electricity as long as I make a million and one. Right. That, that, that's all that matters. Yep, that's right. And part of the, I think part of the game in, in, in mining is, is uh, you're, you're hoping that the price of the coin goes up over time. So whatever you hold is more valuable after you've paid your bills. Right. So I think that that's, that's important. So... If the hash rate stays the same, like as it currently is right now, it looks like the switch to Ethereum staking is going to be around September 15th. Uh, what's your understanding on this? I can't seem to find anything about like block height switching and things like that. I'm assuming that how, how ETH forks is when it hits a certain block or how does it know when to actually do the fork? I am not sure and I haven't really looked up mainly because ignorance is bliss sometimes yeah, sure, on sure. this. Uh, but right now I know that there is just shy or right at one petahash. Okay. Um, there, that would be a thousand terahash. Sure. Or a million gigahash. Sure. And sure. to put it in perspective, I have 30 gigahash. Mm -hmm. So that just to give you a, a sense of scale of how big the Ethereum network is. Uh, you know, there's estimates that any anywhere from 30 to 40 percent are ASIC miners and not GPU miners like okay. myself. And that's a relatively new thing, the ASICs on Ethereum? ASICs have been out since 2018. Um, when they first were developed, it was the Bitmain E3 was the first publicly available sure. one that I know of. And there wasn't really any uh, efficiency gains. Okay. On that one, yeah. it, it was it was almost uh, the the exact same efficiency as the current generation of sure. GPUs. So, it it made sense for an ease of deployment and stability standpoint. I was gonna say, or the, the, you know, what I found when I switched from mining Bitcoin for, on the GPU to the ASICs was I was touching my GPUs a couple of times a week, but the ASICs would run for two weeks at a time before I'd have to reboot it. And I'm, I assume that that's the same thing with like the E3s. Yeah, yeah I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with GPUs because <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I still have my normal nine-to-five job. Sure. And I, I do mining as, you know, my nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. And so there are probably three or four days a week where I'll wake up early, go to my shop, and fix everything before I go to work sure. or stay late, stay up late and fix things at night. So, but the ease of uh, use on the ASICs is pretty dramatic. Sure. Well, I would imagine with 600 cards, probably cards are failing every day or not failing, but they're, but they're whatever quitting and you got to restart them and do all that stuff. And... Yeah. And, and you know, you, it's, it's, I don't, I don't have to fix stuff every day. I don't want to. Sure give the perception that gpus just crash all the time it's this i would just probably voice that the economy is a scale um the same way i get a better price on electricity mm -hmm. the the more equipment you have the more stuff just sure. randomly breaks well i know we used to have like a thousand miners like a thousand asics and we were fixing asics every day it, yeah you know, but it was 
less than when we ran GPUs. Right. So, cool. Um, I was going to ask another question, but I don't remember. I'll continue on. Anyways, um, so I'm not asking you specifically if you're going to stake, but uh, with Ethereum, um, they've been wanting to go proof of stake for like a really long time, and it kept getting pushed back. And I don't really know why, but it doesn't really matter. Um, in your opinion, locking up the 32 coins in a contract for 6 to 12 months until another uh, another upgrade, like, is this timeline realistic, giving Ethereum's history of not hitting the mark on their network upgrades, especially specifically this proof of stake? Well, even though you're not asking, I'll just come on and say, I am not going to stake ETH at all. Sure, sure. That's not... I don't... Because, as I said earlier, how risk adverse I am, which is almost seems like an oxymoron to be in crypto and say that, <laughs> but uh, it's too much risk for me sure. to lock up funds that I need to either buy more gear, pay for electricity, mm -hmm. um, operational expenses, or just because I want to go buy a different cryptocurrency. Sure. You know, it's... It's my money. I want to spend it. Well, well, I mean, today, like, like what's uh, thirty-two ETH would be like sixty-four thousand dollars, right? Like two, two grand, uh, yeah. two grand. In the, I mean, it's yeah. a lot of money to lock up just I, and not know when you're going to be able to get it back, or even what's going to happen to the price if there's a huge sell-off or something. Right. You and might want to be a part of that. The people who stake Ethereum, I believe, are going are the people who say to themselves, "I'm going to look at this like my four hundred one k." Sure. I'm going to. Put it in the ETH quote unquote stock market, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to think about it, and sure. I'm just going to let it ride. And wherever it ends up, it ends up. So, would you say that a lot of the miners share your same opinion that they're probably not going to stake? And then this is kind of a switches from a mining game to a money game, where the guys that are out there buying Bitcoin or buying you know other other coins speculatively are going to say, I'm either going to join a staking pool or I'm going to buy 32. Uh, ETH, like, what do you what do you think? That's hard to say because I I think just like uh, people love Solana and other people's hate it, mm -hmm. or some people love Bitcoin and other people hate Bitcoin. Sure, you sure. know, I I think as many different personalities that there are in the world, I think that that is the same way how they're how different miners view switching to staking and if they're going to put their capital that they've invested or that they have to invest mm -hmm. into this can change in the consensus mechanism. Sure. I, I just, I find it interesting for me when I started mining, it wasn't about making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It was about the technology and the idea behind Bitcoin and, and you know, banks are necessary. Banking is not right. Right. Or banking is necessary. Banks are not. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, you know that's why I'm curious if the if most miners, I mean even me, I I have zero desire to stake Ethereum. I'm just not interested in locking up the funds for six to twelve months and maybe longer. I think it's too risky, like you said. You know I played around with other uh, like uh, nodes or staking coins. Sure. You know I at one point I back when Zell was called or when Flux was called Zell. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I had the lowest tier node and the same thing where I was a risk adverse. I went in partially with a buddy and, you know, we did that for a little bit and I decided I wanted my funds back. So we ended our node and yep. 
uh, went on our separate ways. Um, so I'm, I'm not against 100% of that. I just, I don't think that staking Ethereum is for me. And I think sure. the biggest detractor or the reason why I don't want to do it is the total investment requirement. You know, when I did the Zell, the Zell node or the Flux node, I think my total investment was like $150 or mm-hmm. $200 because mm-hmm. at the time that coin was worth, I think, three cents. And now that coin is worth a dollar and sure. it peaked at $3 or something like that. So uh, that's my biggest complaint. Sure. Well, I know I I follow you on, um, you know, or we're on the same um, GPU group on on Facebook. And when people put their GPUs out for sale, I mean, you're not afraid to call them out and say, you're asking too much. You're crazy. (laughs) But you know, what's funny is that I say that it's too much money to 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 put uh, that much like fiat currency value into a coin Mm -hmm. that's being staked. But I'll have no problem going out and like buying out another farm <laughs> and, you know, like just driving to Detroit and just saying like, all right, give me all of it, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. There's maybe I'm just biased because this is the horse that I chose in this race. Sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> so in the last couple of weeks, uh, Ethereum's price has, I think, doubled. So we were at a thousand. Yep, we're up fifty five percent in the last. There we go, fifty five percent. So, so I mean, we were down a little today, but I think that's a normal weekend type thing. Coins seem to drop on the weekend. We're recording this on a Sunday, so um, but overall, it's 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 gone up fifty five percent in the last seven days. It seems to me that could this could this have something to do? Do you think with the hype of the POS switch, or is there something else that maybe is causing this coin to? I'm, uh, you know, I. It might be more of the buy the rumor, sell the news yeah, right. type of event. Sure. And I I see that as a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, I'm going to say that there's a good chance that the we're on the upswing because the bear market is over. Sure, sure. You know, you look at the, when you look at the metrics of how much does it cost to produce a Bitcoin because BTC is king. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you compare that to like an electric, a residential electric rate, it was right around that 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 twenty thousand, mm-hmm. and we we dipped a little bit below that, but then we shot shot right back up. Sure, um, and I think the same can be said with Ethereum, and that it was a lot of the residential users who were on the ten to fifteen percent electric rate. Yeah, a lot of them shut down and they turned off. Sure, I saw that on Facebook. So and uh, shutdowns. The, I I think that's a good barometer for where we're at price action wise, mm-hmm. um, especially for BTC for ASICs and, and Ethereum for so, GPUs. So I think that brings in another question. Um, I'll skip ahead here, but um, what you, you kind of alluded to, but I'm just gonna let you answer it out loud. Okay. What does set a coin's value, do you think? What, especially when it comes to mining coins. I think what gives Ethereum value are the thousands of guys or girls like me mm-hmm. who have made significant costs in infrastructure, hardware, equipment, time uh, to maintain that coin's security. Sure. I think what also gives a coin's value is its user base. Sure. 
there's a reason why Ethereum is so much more valuable than Ethereum Classic or, uh, you know, Dash or, you know, some of the other, even Litecoin, really, in my mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. because there's so much uh, use, user um, interaction with Ethereum because Ethereum is not just a transfer of value from one user to another. You can use it like that. Sure. But because of the smart contracts and everything that you can build on top of Ethereum and how many developers have decided to build on top of Ethereum compared to other mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies, I think that is what gives its value. Sure. So I, people putting their time, investment, and other collateral on top of it, and then it's user-based. Those two things have uh, really, I think, drawn or given a ethereum it's mark it's current market cap okay all right yeah i mean I'm, that makes sense i you know i always can i always consider in the bitcoin world i think that uh you know the 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 miners cost sets mm-hmm. the price that they're willing to sell the new you know, the new generated bitcoin at i mean that's they're not going to sell for less than they're they're making it they're they can make it for yeah i mean that that wouldn't be healthy for the network <laughs> um so i guess uh the, I guess the big question of the hour here is with all these GPUs out there, uh, what are the miners going to do once the switch to POS happens? I mean, we both know that GPUs aren't powerful enough to mine BTC effectively. I mean, you're going to, you're going to be negative on your, on, you know, you know, on what you get paid. So what do you think they're going to do? Well, right now, if you look at all GPU mineable coins, um, that are even in the top 100 or even top 500, the total, fiat value that's generated every day ethereum accounts for 96 percent. oh wow so i think it's ignorant if you say if any gpu miner says i'm just going to switch to ethereum classic mm-hmm. or i'm just going to switch to ravencoin or uh flux or whatever coin you sure. throw out there um the 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 fiat value that is generated that is also needed to cover all of our expenses mm-hmm. simply isn't there so either two things need to happen uh either the fiat value of those cryptocurrencies needs to skyrocket sure um in, in order for ethereum classic to handle all the miners on ethereum just to break even mm-hmm. at you know let's say an industrial power rate of like five to seven cents ethereum classic last time i looked it needed to be at like five hundred dollars oh really and last time i when i looked this morning it was at 40 sure so you need you need you need a 10x <laughs> price action sure. on what everybody thinks they're gonna go to mm-hmm. in order to just break even sure for all the existing equipment mm-hmm. i don't see that happening sure what i see what what I see happening is there's going to be a whole bunch of people that just turn off and then flood the market with of, GPUs. Yeah, flood the used market. You're, it's it's going to be a bad day to be a GPU miner, and I'm just mentally prepared that sure. I'm going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you I I'll admit I've been mean, talking to you about this even before we hit the record button. I mean, you have a very calm demeanor about you, and I think that that's great. I, you know, nothing you can control, and I think you've you've got that figured out, and it, you'll follow the market swings however it goes. You know. I mean, it is what it is. The 
the main benefit that I have versus the average hobby miner is my industrial rate. Sure. You know, I've gone to my utility company, negotiated a better rate. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have me on an interruptible plan to where, you know, when it's 105 degrees out and everybody cranks on their AC, I turn my my farm off and ease that load, lets the electric company buy... Uh, from the open market yep. at a better rate, yep. um, and everybody wins. Yep, that's the best way to do it. Sure. Um, so I, I mean, I'm profit when if you compare it to Ethereum mining, I'm profitable all the way down to three hundred dollar Ethereum. Okay. My my rigs are gonna stay on all the way down until then. Sure. Whereas, you know, if you're in California and you're paying twenty three cents a kilowatt, <laughs> yeah. you were off a couple months ago. Right. Right. And so that, I think that's the biggest advantage that I can have over the user so have you heard or read or seen anything about maybe um ethereum forking the way it is right now so there's the w is is that another one i have no idea okay the there's there's talk of eth w which is i think some chinese miner or i don't remember who the group is but i know that eth w is the ticker okay but they just want to do the same thing as what ETH is, clone it, get rid of the difficulty bomb, okay. and then continue on like proof of stake never happened. I, I think that's dumb. That's so, <laughs> that's so dumb. You have to have so much development work to maintain it, sure. to build on top of it. And it's, in my opinion, it's just a money grab. Sure. And I I don't see that succeeding. I won't be mining it. Sure. It's a waste of time. Now I say I say I won't be mining it. I might try for a day and then quick try to market dump. <laughs> but uh, that that's all I would do. So is that how they're is that how they're achieving the the proof of work? Is they're going to make the difficulty just extremely high? I don't I don't I hadn't heard that. You just said difficulty bomb. So I'm assuming they're going to make the difficulty extremely high. So the proof of work just won't work. So. It, that is something that's built into the Ethereum code okay. to where um, uh, once they officially make that switch, mm-hmm. they'll let the difficulty bomb go off, which uh, after so many blocks, it increases the difficulty artificially mm-hmm. by a certain percentage. Um, I'm not that sp- I'm not that technical sure, on it. Sure. I just know that that's how it works. And the, the thinking and the idea behind it is... Well, I don't want people to keep having Ethereum like what I just described with ETHW. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to switch over to proof of stake. Right. And so this is our way of forcing everyone to go to proof of sure, stake. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, they have that in there, but they've also diffused it, seems like, two dozen times at this point. Okay. So okay. it's not impossible to get rid of, but it takes an Ethereum or Ethereum-like developer to get rid of it. Okay, okay. All right. Um, okay, I've got a question that's going to... Well, first I'll say, so with this fork that's going to happen, do you think it's actually going to happen this time? Are we set to actually get it done, or is it going to get pushed back again? I thought it was going to happen last year. I really did. And I was I, sp- I planned my buying strategy for equipment around that. It never happened. Mm-hmm. Um they have a, a strong reputation for missing deadlines. Yep. They don't, because of how much value is made from Ethereum. You know, if, if Ethereum went 
you know, belly up, it, it would cause a ripple effect through a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not just talking uh, the mining aspect. You're talking the tokens the, and all the, the DAO the stuff. And, yeah, the DeFi. Everything yeah. that goes through yeah. that, it, it would be a ripple effect if Ethereum went, went belly up. But yeah. I understand and I appreciate that they are taking their time to do their due diligence. I just think from everything I've read on Twitter or here on heard on YouTube that we are closer than ever to making it happen. I think Vitalik has even come out and said the 15th is the target date. That's, that's what I read this morning. I haven't heard a block number yet, but sure. they've given a date. Okay, okay. I mean, that's that's about as strong as... Um, as a commitment as I've ever seen. So I, I we did I didn't talk about this before the we started recording. I was just curious now as we're talking. What's the block time? Like how often is block generated on the Ethereum blockchain? I have no idea. So I think it's thir- 13 and a half seconds. Okay. So quite av- often is then. the average. So really often. Yeah. And then the there's there's a little over one Ethereum per There's two it's two Ethereum per block plus you get uh the minor tip. Okay. And then they burn the fees. Yep. But you can earn MEV on top of it. Okay. So if you're in D- if you're in the DeFi world, mm-hmm. you can go to a big pool like two miners or ether mine and say, I will give you half an Ethereum if you submit my transaction before this next yeah, transaction. Yeah, sure, sure. You're you're like in Bitcoin we can set the, the price to get the transaction to go through. Right. So it'll fit in the next block. Right. But the the thing with MEV is you and DeFi if you because everything's open source or mm-hmm. um, like public, yep. If I see that you're gonna sell at a certain price, well, I'm gonna tell the mining pool I'm gonna be right in front of you, yeah, right, and set it higher, and so I make so much off of your trade. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. I've always been curious. I I tried to find the block time, but then I think when it switches to stake, obviously, then the block time is fixed. Correct. Because at the 13 seconds, it could be 13 seconds or one minute, depending on when the next you know, the next solutions found or whatever right. you want to call it. So, okay. So a while back we were, we were chatting about uh, Ethereum classic and you mentioned that, Hey, I'm still mining that with four gig cards. And, um, you know, I know that ETH is, you got to use at least an eight gig card. Right. And they talked about the DAG and stuff. I, I was, I'm curious what the hell the DAG is. So the DAG is, well, to explain the DAG, you need to understand its hashing or mining algorithm. And that mining algorithm is called ET hash. Um, when Ethereum first came out, they were ASIC resistant. Mm-hmm. And that was their stance. They said, in order to be ASIC resistance, resistant, we're going to add this feature called a DAG. And the DAG is a file that the algorithm uses to solve its transaction. Mm-hmm. After so many blocks, the DAG gets bigger. Okay. So the most expensive part with an ASIC is the high speed, uh, high bandwidth uh, memory. Memory, sure. Okay. So because it would make because it made the ASIC so expensive, it was a it was a deterrent. Okay. Okay. So because Ethereum has taken so long. To get to proof of stake, the DAG is now right at around six gigabytes. Sure. Ethereum Classic started is a fork of Ethereum mm-hmm. from the DAO hack. They would have had the same DAG size, but back, I think it was around two years ago, 
they had issues with 51% attacks. Right, yep. So they did two things to fix that. They they implemented uh, mesh. Mm-hmm. So after 30, I think it's 35 or 37 blocks, like that's the furthest you can roll back. Okay. Um, and then they also decreased the DAG. So when Ethereum... Uh, went over four gigs. There was a whole bunch of hardware uh-huh. out in the ecosystem. Oh. So RX 470, 570, yeah. 580, four gig was all on Ethereum. Uh, as soon as that DAG went over four gig, that none of them worked yep. for Ethereum or Ethereum Classic. Yep. Then Ethereum Classic had all these issues with 51% yep. attacks. Yep. So one of their solutions was, mm-hmm. well, we'll give all this hardware a place to go. Mm-hmm. They dropped the DAG down to two and a half or three gigs, something well below four. Sure. And said, here you go, everybody. Put all your, your existing hardware on our network. Yeah, yeah. Help us secure uh-huh. our network. And that's how we got to where we are. Uh, that makes complete sense. I get yeah. it now. Um, did Do you anticipate this is... Well, first off, who manages the Ethereum Classic? Obviously, we know Vivitech or... Vitalik. Viv- Vitalik. No, I, don't, I can't speak Russian, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know he him and his group manage the ETH the ETH part, Ethereum part. Who manages the ETC? Like, who is the people in charge of it? Is it just? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. So, Ethereum Classic. <laughs> Tried to give a pause. So you knew where to cut it. <laughs> That's all right. I I threw that one at you, so it's not right. a, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know who maintains okay. Ethereum Classic. That's, not, you know, there's a guy named Tim for for Ethereum. I don't even know his last name, but I don't keep up with sure. developers. Sure. You know, I mainly main focus on, uh, basically hardware prices and if there's any big changes that I need to know about. Sure. Otherwise, I don't really pay attention. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the thing for me when I look at a new project or something. I look to see, well, first off, how long has the project been around? And then secondly is, are the developers public or not? Yeah. And if has there been new updates to the, you know, to the, the source code, the platform, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter. I was just more curious than anything else. Sure. <laughs> uh, so now, right now, on if you look on a bunch of exchanges, there'll be uh, ETH and ETH2. Uh, it appears that ETH2 is used for trading the, um, the staked coin. Which is, I guess, on this chain called the Beacon Chain, which is not the mainnet chain. Um, when ETH becomes, or when ETH goes proof of stake, do those Beacon Chain coins go on to the mainnet? Are they spendable as regular Ethereum on the mainnet? Yes. Okay. So right now, there's, if you imagine a train track, mm-hmm. there was a fork in the train or in the chain or uh, in the in the track. And you have up on up above, you have the POS yep. chain. Mm-hmm. That's their consensus mechanism. Mm-hmm. Down below, you have the proof of work consensus mechanism. Both blockchains are running simultaneously, and then they—that's why they call it a merge—is because mm-hmm. they're going to merge those two together. And so every every thirteen seconds, someone is earning more Ethereum on the proof of stake chain. Right. And someone's earning proof of stake or proof of work coins on that chain, and there will be a large influx of more Ethereum. coin yeah. of, of of coins to either sell or transfer. Right. Um, 
Yeah. That's interesting. Right, so it's not only is it going to just merge, but it's, like you say, going to dump a bunch of coins on the market. And... There are... Now, I don't think they can sell... I don't know if they can sell them all right away. That's one thing I'm not certain of. So I think they... So what I, I read, they can sell the rewards. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's all of the rewards. So It's, they, it's weird. They have a lot of different rules when mm-hmm. it comes to, to implementing that. And... I feel ignorant for not knowing. Well, I mean, you're not going to stake anyway, so why would That's you? Why, why would you learn about That's it? True. Well, I'm still holding ETH. I right. Mean, it's still part of my portfolio. Right. And you know, I probably have, I have a good bag, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, I don't know. Well, I mean, I have a good bag. You know, I, I, I follow a little bit, and like, if you're if you're staking Node or whatever, you got to run three processes. I don't remember what they are even, but if it's acting up, they can actually punish you. Yes, yes. So that's a big difference between proof of stake and proof of work. If I have a bad day or it's 110 mm-hmm. in my shop and I flip the main breaker, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. Right. I'm just going to not earn right. for that day. If I am in AWS and running my ETH node mm-hmm. and I'm staking mm-hmm. and their power goes out, I'm going to be out. They could penalize me for not being an active supporter of the network. Which is crazy. Like, I I, I, I strongly disagree with that line of thinking. Sure. Um, and I, I, I don't think that, that... I understand why they're doing it. I just don't agree with, like, that's how we should operate. Sure. I mean, I think the thing is, is... They don't have trouble getting people to mine at proof of work right now, spending the money to buy mm-hmm. the GPUs and do all of that. Why would you punish people because the power went out or whatever? You know, what doesn't make it, I agree, it doesn't make any sense to me either. So I, I, I was just curious about that. So uh, let's see. Um, so I asked you about, so if the, if, if, if the merge does fail um, to happen, what happens to those coins on the beacon chain do they remain on the beacon chain waiting for another merge again or um does well, it... what do you mean by it fails to happen so like, like they just so push the data out they, again so is that what it is so it doesn't actually fail the merge doesn't fail that just pushes the data out is that how that works well i would assume that's what would happen okay i mean they find some critical they've, they've the... pushed it for years now so and, what's another couple months and so and so people have been able to take 32 ethereum for years and and put it in the contract and hold it there that started like a year ago okay or something like that it hasn't been the since 2015 when it started i, I know that ethereum has lots of test nets and each each one gets you closer to like the main net right that's way i read it at least so there's like we just moved to the Gallagher or whatever um, test net, and that's the the one right below the main net, and that's the one that's made for the merge. And so maybe what it is is that it was you know the, certain test nets let you do different thing or certain chain or not chains but certain um, ways you get to the main net allow you to do different things, and one of them might be put the thirty two ETH in for a contract. Well, I know that. Like we were talking with the beacon chain and mm-hmm. how I s- described two different yep. train tracks, one above and one below. So you, bef- like when they first started that beacon chain, you had to take proof of work coins mm-hmm. and it was a one-way street. You sent them to the beacon chain right? and they were there and they were there forever until they merged them together mm-hmm. and you could not send beacon coins back to the proof of work chain. Right. Uh so they're if they push the merge out, 
they're just going to add a couple more rungs to this train track. Okay. They will get there. I'm sure. a firm believer they'll get there. That's what they want to that's, do. That's their goal. That's their goal. Yeah, right. Nobody wants to be proof-of-work mining on the Ethereum development team. Sure. They don't see the value that miners bring to their table. Mm-hmm. And they've actively, actively said to the public, we're overpaying for uh, security to the miners. Hmm. And that's been their view from for years now. Sure. The block. I mean, you just look at the block. The block rewards. Mm-hmm. We were at five Ethereum, then we went to three, and then now we're two point five, and then it was two. Like they, they just keep dropping it. Right. And you know, from a, a miner's perspective, while I might be biased, all that that tells me is you want to reward the early investors, mm-hmm. which are most of the developers. <laughs> and so you're just trying to, you know, make the ETH that you hold mm-hmm. more valuable by making the inflation rate less. Right, right. So let's talk about that just for just for a quick minute. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But you mentioned the security of the blockchain, like uh, proof of work. What's the difference between proof of work security versus proof of stake? Like how the coins are generated, like the security that makes sure... No 51% attacks, that kind of stuff. What Explain that to me. So the there's a couple ways. So proof of work is random. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's millions of machines running all over the world. And it's whoever finds the solution to that math problem first gets that block reward, mm-hmm. which is right now two ETH. So if my one of my machines... Finds that reward and that and and is the first in the whole world to find it. I get it. Yep. With proof of stake, it is a, I think it's still a random selection, mm-hmm. but they pick from this known list of node runners mm-hmm. who are staking thirty-two ETH. Now I could personally stake like sixty-four ETH and yep. have two nodes, yep, and so that would double my nodes. chances. Yep, that's right. Um, and supposedly double my uh, rewards, mm-hmm. um, but it, it would be all rain. It would they would still just pick from that list, sure. And then they would have like a I I I'm not 100 percent on this one, but I'm pretty sure it's they have like a known order, sure. So that you are it would be you know John one versus John two, yeah. So like um, I know with some of the economy coins and the other noting coins. When you note a coin, I always consider it like I always say that you're sitting in a big circle. Although every node is in this in this circle, and you pass the baton. Yeah, I think that's how it works. And and staking when you stake in the economy chain, um, the way it works is the oldest winner is at the top of the list. So if you just won a block, you'd be at the bottom of the list because you'd have the newest block attached to you, and then the old guy should get the next win. But I don't know, you know, when, when we talk about staking and economy or anything like that, it's whoever has the most coins in their wallet usually wins the most stakes. Noting doesn't matter. You're, you're sitting in the circle, right? Yeah. So you're, you, can, you can know probably the, the estimated time that, of your next reward. Where staking is, you don't really know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert on that. Sure. It's hard to give a, a, a firm definitive answer. Mm-hmm. I just know that high level, that's how it would work. Yeah, so uh, I got like one or two other questions here. One has nothing to do with Ethereum at all. Okay. I want to talk about, just for a minute, 
not not a big thing, but I've been noticing on Twitter lately when people are posting about the BTC price or whatever, these people from this project called Bitcoin SV just seem to be hammering home the fact that that's not really Bitcoin, that's BTC or that's BCH or that's Bitcoin Gold, where Bitcoin SV is like the main project where they remove segregated witness and it's Satoshi's vision. I don't know. I, I find it interesting that this one group is just trying to just hammer that home and it's weird to me. Well, so. you know, they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. And the people who say that they aren't Bitcoin are not wrong either. Mm -hmm. Because blockchain builds on itself. If I have a long rope and I unfray it into 10 different strands and I look at each strand and I follow it all the way back to the beginning, mm -hmm. we're all going to end up at the same point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Everybody has made their own decision on where to put their strand of the rope and which direction that they're pulling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, SV decided to want to get rid of segregated witness and the coin that everybody currently calls Bitcoin uh, decided to go with Lightning Network mm -hmm. and do it on a on a on, in in that route. So, and it's the same way with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. You know, those are just the names we give it, give them to them. Sure. But really, they all stem from the same original uh, Genesis block. Sure. And to call, to say one is Ethereum and one is not the real Ethereum, mm -hmm. I think is ignorant. And mm -hmm. it's just, these are the decisions that we have made uh, to continue on with our project. Sure. And our ledger. Sure. Ah, that's a great answer. I like that. That's a good answer. <laughs> so I have one final question for you. Uh, now that, you know, the end is near, Proof of Stake's going to take over. Did you ever, or do you still believe in like the vision of Ethereum, like their their contracting system, you know, their the, the vision of what they want the coin to be? You know, I never really got into DeFi and which was a big, it's a big key feature mm -hmm. of Ethereum. Um, I never really got into a whole bunch of like decentralized exchanges or anything like that. Uh, and I didn't really get into any of the tokens. Mm -hmm. I didn't really do any of that. Um, I mean, at, at the risk of sounding crass, I was really in it for the money. <laughs> sure. like, I just wanted wrong. more value. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and whether it, whether mining Ethereum got me more Bitcoin or more US dollar or more just ethereum mm -hmm. i i that's what my goal was sure you know my real goal if you ask me like what what my goals are i want to i want to i want to burn like 10 percent of my town's electricity <laughs> like that's like that sounds weird but like that's a big goal of mine and i have a plan to get there yeah uh, but I just know that the, like, that is how I gain more value mm -hmm. is. And when I say value, I mean, hard assets like servers or machines. Sure. And, uh, then those assets also earn me other value, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it be Ethereum or I'm mining Bitcoin dire directly, or if I'm mining uh, some other shit coin, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like I, I just want to grow, gain more value. So, I, I like Ethereum. I, I like what they've done for the ecosystem. I, I think it's a phenomenal cryptocurrency and the developers are very smart. Yeah. I disagree with how they view the logic of 
the price they paid for security. Mm-hmm. I I disagree with their logic on how to gain more users and how to retain their user base. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at me and the average high school kid can go with their gaming computer yeah. and download a program and then then the next morning have funds in their wallet Mm -hmm. like you can't do that with staking right Uh, you there's there's no way even if they took um like their money on paypal or in their bank account waited for those funds to clear sent it to a staking pool Mm -hmm. and all of the risks that 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 involves right uh and and wait for that pool to pay out you know they could do the same thing with the only thing they're risking with proof of work is their electricity mm-hmm. and that's no different than them playing call of duty all you know, night I, th- I think that's a really interesting point you know when i started mining it was we, i was in a pool and you know we connected to the machine to the pool we we mostly did uh litecoin was the coin that right. we picked script miners yeah. seemed to make the most sense and so we pointed to litecoinpool.org next morning i woke up and there's Litecoin sitting in there, and you get that rush, yeah. right? Like I made a little bit last <laughs> it's awesome. night. Yeah, and where, where you say, you know, what the staking, it could be days or weeks before you get a reward. Well, I I think you're you're missing the point. The the what what I was really trying to get at though is that he has to take his U.S. dollars right. or euros mm-hmm. or pesos yeah. and send that to somebody else mm-hmm. to buy his Ethereum. Yep. To then take that Ethereum that you just bought to send it to somebody else right. to stake. And with all these and with all of these other exchanges and everything folding, who knows what's going to happen to if they, if they mismanage it or whatever. Right, and uh, it's not like he can take his Ethereum that he bought from a centralized exchange mm-hmm. to his own wallet that yep. he owns the private key to right. to then stake. Right. That while he can do that. The investment cost that it would take. Yeah, your sixty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, there's it. no way like my high school kid can mm-hmm. can do that. that right. That's that's not going to happen. Right. Right. It's going to turn into uh, the rich get richer. Yep. And the piddly guys at the bottom will just try to eat the scraps. Yeah. And that's what it's going to be. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a good way to put it. I, I tried to hit on that earlier, but I think that's the right way to the way you said it. There is is perfect. Yeah. So. Well, what else did I miss? What else did I? Did I'm curious. Do you think are you, are you overall, knowing that you've been in the crypto community, community for, longer than most, mm-hmm. do you are you a fan of a proof of stake, consensus mechanism, or are you a fan of proof of work consensus mechanism? So I think that um, what's interesting about that question is that every proof of stake coin starts with proof of work. You have to do it that way. So if you look at any staked coin, any noted coin, there are certain blocks that are proof of work. So proof of work will never go away. It's like you have to either do a hybrid or... Mm-hmm. If you look at any proof of stake coin, like if you go to masternodes.online and you okay. look at any of those coins and you look at the Genesis block, maybe block 1 to 100,000, 0 to 100,000, those are all generated proof of work, whether it be Quark, something simple, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the, the difficulty is very low. Right. The thing is, is proof of work never goes away as of right now i mean right. ethereum couldn't be what it is if it didn't start with proof of work and they knew that that's why the developers made it that way even with the vision of proof of stake to come uh so i guess i really didn't answer your question 
I think I think what gives proof of work its value is exactly what you said is that the little guy can do it um, without a huge investment and make something even if it's little they can make something well I would argue even uh, the original Bitcoin is still the little guy can still get it you mm-hmm. can go on eBay right now and buy a hundred dollar s9 yep you're going to burn more, nine times out of ten, you're going to burn more electricity right. than, than you generate yep. uh, in fiat value. Mm-hmm. But he's still going to get Bitcoin. And, you know, when I sell off my S9s, yeah. I'm, you know who I'm selling them to? I'm selling to them to apartment buildings in New York. Sure. Because they can't go to an exchange and buy it. Yeah. So they're yeah, going to yeah. mine it and just pay eat eat the cost of their electric bill. Yeah. And that's how they're going to get their Bitcoin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's... I don't know. I'm a. I'm just a huge proponent of proof of work and all the value that it brings, and that the amount of security that I think it provides. While there are flaws, mm-hmm. I think it is the best consensus mechanism, especially when you compare it to a proof of stake coin. Sure, I. I think that that makes a lot of sense, and I think maybe that's where we'll wrap it up here. Um, thanks for coming out and chatting with me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's no, been fun. That was fun. I, you know, we we talk. You know, you and I talk every once in a while, but we never get really in depth. So <laughs> yeah. it was nice to actually get to talk to you in depth about this stuff. Not only that, but the, you know, the theories and the ideas behind it all too. So that was fun. So, all right. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Have a great Friday. Go buy some Ethereum. <laughs>